Welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360, the podcast solving today's most pressing issues in the AI arthritis community. We invite you all to the table, where together we face the daily challenges of autoimmune and autoinflammatory arthritis. Every Sunday, join our fellow patient co-hosts as they lead discussions in the patient community, as well as consult with stakeholders worldwide to solve the problems that matter most. Whether you are a loved one, a professional working in the field, or a person diagnosed with an AI arthritis disease, this podcast is for you. So pull up a chair and take a seat at the table. Hello and welcome to AI Arthritis Voices 360. This is the official talk show for the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis, or AI Arthritis for short. My name is Tiffany Westrich Robertson. I am the CEO of the organization, but I'm also a person living with AI arthritis. I have non radiographic axio spondyloarthritis. It's almost as long as my name. <laughs> And uh, and some other things sprinkled in there. And uh, we always have a host and sometimes more than one host, another co-host that also lives with these diseases. And today is no different. I am joined by Pooja Panchamia. Did I say it right? Yes. <laughs> I, oh, I, I did it so well before. <laughs> before and then I just froze all of a sudden. But I'm here with Pooja. She just started volunteering with us, but we've actually been talking for yeah. about a, a year now via email. Yes. This is the first time we're, well, as face-to-face as we can be, right? Because tell everyone where you're tuning in from. Hello, everyone. So I'm tuning in from Mumbai. That's based in India. And uh, I run my own uh, health platform called Fiery Boots. So I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis at the age of 24, about two years back. And uh, this platform was to spread awareness about this illness and to publish some inspiring positive stories about how people are coping with this illness and get going on with their normal lives and uh, managing parenthood, how it affects the old and the young, etc. So the idea was to just spread that awareness to all the people around. And that's, and that, I, I, is that how we found each other? I don't remember. I, I really can't remember. <laughs> Did you, I, maybe you messaged, uh, I think it might have been around World Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory yes, yes. Day last I, year. I think uh, I did come across you guys and uh, I was looking at other organizations who are doing this. And what really stood out for me is these are patients who are running this and it's a strong advocacy platform. And I think I'd reached out to you personally on maybe if we could work together on something and I could use your resources to spread further awareness in India and vice versa. Right. Okay. And I'm so glad that you did because here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I, I really wanted to do this episode with Pooja for, uh, it was very purposeful. She was already brought on to be one of our co-hosts and just haven't had the opportunity to do an episode yet, but this one's perfect because we are talking about the need for global awareness and yeah. what better to talk about than somebody who's leading an effort for awareness <laughs> on two different sides of the world. 
and we are an international organization, so that made sense. And, you know, we have done some other episodes on awareness and the way that we work as an organization and give a little bit of a background on this podcast in particular, our show is literally intertwined with what we do as an organization, which is to have conversations with other people living with the diseases to really understand the issues and problems that need to be solved. And then after those conversations, we go and bring other stakeholders, other people in our community, whether that's doctors, nurses, researchers, pharmaceutical companies, whatever that might be, other nonprofit organizations to join with us to solve the problem. But the patient voice is always an equal, an equal stakeholder because we hold the key. We hold the key to understanding really what what our, our problems are. So we wanted to build on some of the former episodes that we have done already on awareness. And they covered really some problems that happen with lack of awareness. And I'm going to actually say education too, because uh, you have to have to be taught something to understand it. And so awareness is related to education because we need to educate for people to be aware. So it's sort of, (laughs) it's sort of a, a sequence there. And what we had talked about was that with lack of awareness and education in our community and people who live with autoimmune diseases or autoinflammatory diseases that include arthritis as a major clinical component, is uh, that lack of awareness can result in things like lack of detection, which leads to delayed diagnosis, and then that can lead to problems with our diseases, and then it ends up elevating costs for the healthcare community. And then also it can be relationship conflicts and all of that leads to our own internal struggles. So we wanted to delve a little bit more in that today. And I'm going to turn it over to Pooja to talk a little bit more about this lack of awareness about our AI arthritis diseases and how it really impacts the lives of people living with them. Yeah, so I think uh, there are many, many areas which uh, people who have personally not suffered from that illness, it's very hard for them to understand those things. So, Mm -hmm. for example, there's a difference in being tired and being fatigued. And somebody who is suffering from an autoimmune illness, they have very limited set of energy in a day. And I think somebody who himself or herself hasn't been through that journey, it's really difficult for them to relate with those people and understand that, okay, why that person is cancelling on me at the last moment or why is that person not attending my, say, birthday party? But you never know. I mean, it's, it's quite an unpredictable illness. So what a person is feeling today would be very different from what that person will be feeling tomorrow. So you can't really pre-plan things. So you can always try your best and see if you could attend these kind of social outings. But you never know how you would be feeling at that particular day and time. So I think those very little things, but that plays a very big role on how different people perceive your illness and that impacts your relationship with them. Because you get that feeling that, okay, that person is not understanding what I'm going through. And you try and self-isolate yourself. 
and that again it's like a cycle that you feel lonely you stop sharing with that person you stop communicating and the other person has no idea so that person just feels that okay maybe she is just being too cautious about her health and she's not willing to spend time with us so i think that that is a one area through which i think mm-hmm. that there is that disconnect between the relationship that you share with people who are close to you absolutely yeah and uh, i think apart from that i think there's this general uh, i think what people believe in i think some areas like how this illness could affect old as well as young people or whether this particular illness does not have any cure there are some people although it may be all in good spirit but they come up and walk up to you and give you some free advice and suggestions <laughs> i think oh, all of yes. us have been through that <laughs> so yeah i think they uh, i mean for them it's like they are uh, helping you out but uh, it could get annoying at some point because you in your head know that there is absolutely no cure and uh, just by doing more exercise or uh, taking some supplements this is not going to cure you Mm-hmm. I think it's all driven more from lack of awareness in those people about autoimmune illnesses with their limited knowledge I think they walk up to you and give their advice so I think that that information gap between uh, general people and the autoimmune patients and uh, yeah I think those are some of the areas which affects your relationship with them and i think it it also impacts your personal health because it it it's all very connected i mean if you isolate yourself a lot i think that again causes anxiety with this illness and there is anyway a very lack of movement in this particular journey so you just it just leads to more stress depression then again it triggers flares it's like a vicious cycle that keeps on continuing That's you know that that's interesting that you just said that because right now we're recording this in the time of COVID-19 which yes. isn't going to go away so I mean it's <laughs> not like we could say this and it you know 10 years from now people aren't going to know what we're talking about but even people who don't have our diseases are going through this feeling of isolation yeah and and which is leading to anxiety and depression so I'm kind of hoping in a small way that some empathy Yes. Um evolves from this from people saying, "Oh, I remember what it was like. I felt kind of alone and I wasn't able to go to that birthday party or we couldn't have a birthday party or or, or whatever because that's something that weighs so heavily on us." You know, like like you said. Yeah. Something that that really caught me too is you're talking about kind of that unpredictability. We can't pre-plan. We we try our best. And yeah. and how much do you think that that uh involves the fact that we have invisible disease? Like we don't look necessarily yes. like we have something. I think that that plays a big role because uh one is when you could see somebody is sick, you understand it better, but when all the symptoms are invisible, like nobody could really see our locked wrist or inflamed knees. I think those are all the invisible symptoms and i think yeah that that does play a big role on how people perceive it or them not understanding it it's interesting because we are on different sides of the world 
yet we're experiencing the same issues, right? With education and people not understanding what this is. The other thing is, I thought was funny, you mentioned that people always seem to want to help out, (laughs) give their advice. Um, And I think that that whole, just try this, we've all experienced that. And that's something that definitely unifies us. Um, And it's really one of the reasons why as an organization, we are so strongly in support of differentiating arthritis types. Yeah. Because that a lot of that information that I I mean, I think anyway, when they say, oh, just exercise or just change your diet a little bit. And uh, those kind of things are very standard treatments or therapeutic agents for the most common type of arthritis, which is osteoarthritis. Yes. And and so it makes sense. I mean, if that's the only arthritis, you know, (laughs) you're 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 not being. Yes. You're being helpful or you think you're being helpful. What are your experiences with that? Or have you heard people talking about that frustration that comes around? Can you try this or not understanding the type of arthritis? Yeah, I think the arthritis word itself is quite loosely used. I think most people relate arthritis to something that you get in old age. So I think there are very few people who know about autoimmune arthritis. Mm -hmm. And uh, I personally did experience this because I was diagnosed at a young age uh, at 24. And there were many people who came up to me and they felt, okay, you are too young to get arthritis. (laughs) Yeah. Or uh, maybe it's because you're so thin and you just need to take some supplements and that's why you're feeling weak and that's why your joints are hurting. Mm-hmm. And yeah, all kinds of suggestions or maybe you're not eating the healthy food. And if you just gain some weight and uh, have the right kind of diet, then, uh, then, then, then this will get cured. Maybe it's just all in your head and you're just feeling weak. There's mm-hmm. no such severe condition that you're talking about. It's something that people get mostly after the age of 60 or say between 40 to 60, but 24 just sounds too young to get something like this. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I well, I was 37 when I had onset. And even at 37, I was getting that same reaction. <laughs> but oh, well, you know, you're too young. Plus, I was an athlete and the doctors were baffled. They couldn't understand. They weren't. And what was really interesting, and I don't know if this was the same for you or not, or if you've heard other people talk about this, but no one was grouping the fatigue and like the low grade fever, the autoimmune features with the arthritis. It, It was completely separate. So they were focusing on one or the other. Did you have that same experience? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I did figure out that the symptom of low grade fever is connected to my rheumatoid arthritis much mm-hmm. later. We thought that, okay, this is just one of the symptoms because it's inflamed, but doctors ne- never really pointed it out on day one that this is something that you would get while you have RE. But yeah, at least for me, I was lucky enough that my diagnosis was much faster. I think uh, what doctor was able to identify is if it's happening on both the joints together, uh, on mm-hmm. both sides of the, so, so say your left and right knee together. That okay, is something right. which is very unique to rheumatoid arthritis versus other illness. And I think that's how they were able to catch it. 
But yeah, I think <laughs> that's where we are. Yeah. And, and that's another reason why just for our listeners out there, our organization was founded because patients around the world were speaking to each other and sort of had this aha moment that, wow, nobody was piecing those together. No one, yes. none of the doctors were making, that was delaying actually the, the referral to the yeah. rheumatologist. And we thought, wow, if we just had an organization that only focused on the autoimmune diseases or auto-inflammatory diseases, and side note, that's just two different sides of the immune system. So they just are different as far as, as how we have onset and, and progression, yeah. but still from the immune system. And then add the ones that have the arthritic component because there's over a hundred of the autoimmune and auto-inflammatory, but there's only a handful (laughs) of those that present early with the arthritis. Wow. Well then maybe we can start teaching people the, (laughs) if if you got, if you have these together. (laughs) No, definitely. I think uh, what you mentioned about patients learning from each other I think that played a very big role in me getting to know my illness better. And I think that was one of the big reasons why I started Fiery Bones as well. Because there was just a lot of uncertainty around how this illness is going to take course and how it's going to shape my life. And how it, how is my future going to look like? How is my career going to look like? There was just so many questions whether I'll be disabled in the future. And there was just no clarity around this. And I think that's why I started reaching out to some people, just trying to understand their journey. And then I started Fiery Bones. I think, yeah, it does play a very significant role on how others are coping with it because it just gives you, makes you feel better that, okay, you're not alone in this. Oh, that's so, that is so key. Hearing what other people have to say, because what you said earlier about you don't feel understood or you feel misunderstood finding that connection with everybody who's been on that journey it, it's so powerful and and for a lot of reasons mental health for one and you know i w- i was on your website yesterday or the day before and i was reading some of the stories because that's that's what you that's yeah. what you do right yes. you co- yes. you collect stories what are some of the things that patients that you're speaking to or submitting their stories what are they talking about in regards to awareness and education need? Yes, I think a couple of points. I think one thing which has been more of an overarching theme across the stories has been people not understanding that this is an unpredictable illness. So I think many people have written about how they're during the family gatherings or them not being able to attend any kind of social commitments were not seen very positively by some of the people who were otherwise close to them. So I think that was one. Uh, In fact, I think Sarah had written one story where she had spoken about that one of her friends had a really bad immune system. And she used to, as a precaution, she used to wear a mask at any gathering that she would go to. Even her family gatherings, because some of them may not inform her in advance if they are feeling under the weather or something. So as a precaution, she used to just wear a mask and go for those things. And she was quite ridiculed for it. I mean, uh, she was told that you're just being too cautious about your health. And this is just taking too much precaution. Like, it's family, right? Why why do you need to wear a mask? 
and then i think she she was afraid to wear it in that kind of setting so i think those kind of experiences some people do face and i think in a way it has helped some people to create a filter because now mm-hmm. you really know that which people will stand by you and those who don't understand maybe they are not really relevant to be in your life so i think it it just helps you figure out that okay who is able to understand and appreciate what you are going through and support you through that journey so that was one second was more around their experiences with their doctors so at times many of them had a very late diagnosis because doctors did not understand what they were going through or they felt that okay it's all in their head and uh, if you take some pain medications it's going to be fine in a while and i think that just delayed their diagnosis and uh, it affected how the disease has progressed in their system also mm-hmm. so i think that was one and uh, even where see doctors have diagnosed it right at times the treatments are just not working for them but the doctor is not ready to change that course of treatment so i think those were some issues that they faced while they were dealing with other parties and i think they got the maximum comfort was connecting to other people on say online support groups or local support groups communities etc mm-hmm. and just getting to know that okay how are people dealing with this and at the end of the day you have to own your illness so you mm. have to stand by it and you have to fight for it and if other person feels that okay this is all in your head you have to prove them wrong that okay no this is something i am going through so i think there were some lessons also that people learned through this whole journey and say one was stop being guilty like i think over a period of time when we hear so many people telling us that okay you should have attended so and so gathering but you couldn't i think at some point we start feeling guilty and we start blaming ourselves for what we are going through mm-hmm. i think that's incorrect i mean none of us really wanted this so i think <laughs> first and foremost we have to forgive ourselves and accept what we have yeah. and we have to stop feeling guilty about not being there for somebody or not being able to attend an event uh second was more around just communicating well so i think made be your doctors your partner your family you just have to be very transparent in how you are communicating about your illness if you are not having a good day just say it if you don't have to hide any of your symptoms from your doctor just because you feel that maybe he would feel these are not the real symptoms just be very open and transparent through this whole journey with all the stakeholders around you and it just helps meet that information gap that i mentioned before at least the other person is aware that what you're going through so i think yeah these were some of the overarching points that came out from all those stories on mm-hmm. how they are managing it and yeah yeah one one of the things that you know you said communication and we have a breakout series that we have developed with Dr. Al Kim, who's a rheumatologist from Washington University Rheumatology in St. Louis, and also the director of their lupus clinic there. And the idea is on communication. 
So we've identified, like you and I were just talking, we've identified as patients, wow, there is a big gap in (laughs) what we're able to communicate with the treatment was one of the top ones. So yes, diagnosis and delay is one, but then once you actually have your rheumatologist, you actually have your doctor, they only have 15 minutes with you or so. And And what I learned from speaking with him is they come into the office visit already with this pre-planned idea of how the, 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 the visit's going to go where we have been planning for weeks and we're ready to, you know, we might want to change or we have things that we, we want to address and there's a disconnect there Yes, and that's resulting in what, what you were just talking about. So we definitely as an organization are, are working towards that. But I think something else that really needs to be on our radar is helping more with the communication assistance between our peers and our family. Because like going back to the beginning, we cannot ignore that awareness and education issues not only affect the whole detection and treatment pattern and and affecting the healthcare system, but that other wave is really about our mental health and our relationship strength. And all of that plays a huge role. Yes. Something I wanted to touch on because- you know, we're, we're doing this about global awareness and it seems like so far, everything we said is it doesn't matter (laughs) where you live. (laughs) We are, we are all in this together. We are having the same challenges, but I'm interested in learning a little bit more specifically about in India and culturally, what are some of the awareness or educational issues that you see that might be different than than some of us on in other parts of the world. Yeah, so I think India specifically, what I've seen is people are quite reluctant to talk about their medical conditions. It's seen more of a stigma or I don't know, people just are not willing to share about their medical experiences openly with other people. It's mm-hmm. more of a hush-hush talk that okay I'm suffering from so and so illness but you don't really go out or like I've I've seen people across the world where they have this advocacy efforts or they put up on social media what they're going through I would rarely see people doing that in India and uh, I think that was something that I really struggled with as well because when I was diagnosed I was looking for some local support groups because I wanted to meet somebody who is going through this and I could share my experiences with that person and learn how he or she is coping with this. But there weren't any. There is absolutely no local support groups over here. And from what I understand, I think about, I think 0.9% of India's population has rheumatoid arthritis. And that's a lot. So... Mm -hmm. I mean, hardly, I would still, I still couldn't find even one single person who was going through this. So I think that that was a difficult journey. And that's why I had to then resort to internet and try reaching out to people on the internet and understand how they are coping with this. But I think culturally in India, there are people who would not want to discuss this very openly. And second is also just, uh, I think for some of them, it's very difficult to understand that there is some kind of illness where there is no cause identified. I think for most people, even if you tell them, I mean, they will come up with some kind of suggestions on what could be the possible cause. I think it's very hard 
for them to accept that scientifically there is no cause that's identified for rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. I think it's all comes down to again lack of awareness, especially mm-hmm. I think over here the only autoimmune illness that's well known is cancer. I think apart from that, all of the other illnesses people don't have much idea. If you tell them about it, I think it it takes a lot of education from your end to explain them how this condition works and what are the what is the impact but even then i think people would just not want to very openly talk about it interesting yeah although i know in the united states we a lot of people tend to be quite vocal maybe too vocal <laughs> sometimes yeah. um, that's not always a problem but it just depends on your personality i suppose and i i'm just curious i don't i don't know if you know the answer to this or not it's nothing we we talked about beforehand I was just curious if you know about the medical community in particular and them understanding or being able to detect, do you see any kind of gap or issue with patients being referred like to rheumatologists? Are there a lack of rheumatologists or any kind of delay in that respect? Yes, I think there is definitely, uh, I mean, if you had to look at, uh, say, doctor to patient ratio, I think that's pretty bad in India because we have very few doctors compared to the number of patients that we have. And Mm -hmm. plus very few specialist doctors like rheumatologists. But I I still think the waiting time over here to get an appointment, I think it's not very different from what I would see in other geographies. So I think it's still about if it's a very well-known rheumatologist, then it's about two months or so. But, that's the same uh, here. That's the that's same, same, right? So yeah, yeah, I think that's not very different. And I think it's more challenging for people who are not residing in uh, proper metro cities and who are living in more rural areas and far off cities where there is no rheumatologist in that particular city. Then it becomes very difficult for them to get the access to the right doctor. Mm-hmm. And that time period would, I think it would be much longer for them. Yeah. You know, it makes me wonder about the whole telehealth and now how people are having to have their visits online. And, you know, that that's something that, especially where you say rural, that's been being advocated for for some time now. I know I was at ULAR, which is the European League Against Rheumatism, and they have a scientific meeting every year. Okay. And uh, last last year, I was just it's, I'm sitting, it's sitting right here, actually. Ah. <laughs> oh, well. It's right here. How to optimize e-health tools for patients with rheumatic diseases. Yeah, that's Orly right there. Uh, we we <laughs> work with her on a project that you all can check out. It's a episode called "Changing the World with Your Knee," and it's on synovial tissue. But the point is, is I'm hoping that we can address that barrier moving forward, and maybe people will have better access to that. And then when they get there, they need to have the tools to be able to communicate, and the doctors <laughs> need to know how to uh, detect. So that's our that's our challenge. That's what we have to to work yes. on next. As we're moving through the need for this awareness and and the complications that happen for lack of something that you were talking about with collecting the stories, which I thought was really kind of neat, is you mentioned how some people overcome 
and yeah. you had some, some bullets. Could you just expand on that a little bit? Those are those are good tips for people. Sure. So I think when I set up fiery wounds, and I think oh, over the last couple of years, I've seen that some people do benefit from these kind of online support network. I think one is it just helps you cope better because I, I think it's a it's a little uh, lonely community and it just helps you to connect with other people who are going through this and you could share what you are suffering, what kind of medication works for you, what treatment hasn't worked. I mean, all those areas you could touch upon with a community that truly understands. Mm-hmm. So I think that just helps you in a better management of your overall illness. Second is, I think it it is it helps a lot to many caretakers as well, because I think many partners and family members, they are just trying to figure out what that person is going through. And mm-hmm. maybe that person is not able to open up completely to share his or her experiences and such kind of information portal in a way helps them understand that okay these are the other patients and this is how their journey their experience has been and it just helps them connect with their family member better and understand how they are coping with this so that's a second benefit of having a community Mm -hmm. third is just learning more about the illness i think that's where it has helped me the most because I just got to know many new things about certain symptoms. Like some symptoms you feel that, okay, is it just me experiencing this or this is really common in our community? Or at times, say, rheumatoid arthritis affects some joints like jaw, which may not really come out in a conversation with a doctor. But say it happens to you and you're just figuring out that, okay, is this related to why or is this something else? Mm -hmm. And it just helps you could pop up that question to the community and get to know that, okay, there are other people who have gone through this. And uh, similarly, it goes for medicine side effects as well. I mean, some people have some different side effects, which others would not have it. Like those are uncommon side effects and may not have been pointed out by the doctors. It just helps to know that, okay, you are not the only person who is who has this. There are other people in the community in with a, say, similar demographic age profile, etc., who had symptom like this and uh, side effect like this. And mm-hmm. it just helps you connect better. So, yeah, I think those were some of the benefits of uh, having an online support network and I think even some of the physicians and doctors are following such pages these days and I think they are also trying to make their service more patient-centric so -hmm. they are also trying to understand that the emotional aspects of illness and they are following many of these groups and resources to understand what are patients talking about, how is it affecting them, and it just helps them treat the illness better. So I think it's a good resource for all the stakeholders in this illness, the patient, his or her caretaker, the doctor. It just helps bring more awareness and information to all of them. 
That's such a great point. And it's exactly why we are based, we meaning our organization is, is based on conversation because some of the conversations, we do bring other stakeholders to the table so they can learn exactly yeah. what you just said. But then in other situations, we'll have private conversations with people to get different perspectives, different experiences from all over the world. And then we collect those and bring them to the table with the other yes. stakeholders, uh, which is, I mean, that's literally our mission. That's what we do. Making sure the patient voice is heard as an equal. And because <laughs> it's, you're right, that's how we solve the problems. We we have to listen. And I love that we're solving problems between each other too, yes. and learning and growing and about our disease. I know it, what you said, the jaw. And it's funny because that's how I got my diagnosis. Okay. I thought I had an ear infection. <laughs> this had gone on for a couple of years and I was becoming a shell of a person. I mean, I had so many locations uh, affected, but I was, I had great blood work and I didn't have any imaging. And I mean, yeah. oh, you're, there's nothing wrong with you. <laughs> but in the meantime, <laughs> I'm sleeping 16 hours a day, have a low grade fever for four and a half weeks and I can't yes. walk, but there's nothing wrong with me. And then I thought, well, maybe the fever and all the fatigue is this. I got to have an infection because my jaw hurt and then got referred to a different rheumatologist and ended up with a diagnosis. But I hear more and more patients talking about the jaw and it's just yes. not something you hear. And my very first symptom was costochondritis, which is inflammation between the ribs. Okay. And apparently that is fairly common in spondyloarthritis diseases, right. the, the chest and the restriction. Cause I kept saying I'm short of, I felt, I felt short of breath as mm -hmm. well in the beginning and nobody thought, oh, I must be a heart or whatever. But now that I go into online communities and talk to people, yes, Costa, and it doesn't matter, even with rheumatoid arthritis or some of the other diseases it is as well. So I know I learn for sure from other people. Is there anything else that you wanted to to point out as far as what you've learned about awareness or education or any key takeaways that you'd like to to mention? So the only key takeaway for older patients is you take your disease on your own hands. I'm not saying that you start self-medicating, but understand all your symptoms that you're going through, adjust to the new reality, accept it, and yeah, and adapt. And stand up for what you're going through and not let any other person ridicule you for the challenges that you only you are aware about. So maybe your doctors, your family, your friends, just stand by what your experience is and fight for it. Mm. Yeah. I love that. What a great transition into our into our wrap up. I <laughs> was perfect. Stand up, stand up for yourself, stand up for your health, be an advocate, use your voice. And that really ties into what the purpose of today's episode is all about, the need for global awareness. As you could see with Pooja and I talking about, there were so many things that are global. They're global issues. And it, that lack of awareness and education is causing conflict, whether it is the practitioner route or whether that's personal journeys or yeah. relationships. Those are, those are three really important things that we need to target. And it all starts with standing up for yourself and sharing your stories. And if you're in a place, 
in the world that culturally you're not comfortable perhaps talking to others about your diseases or your it's just your personality trait regardless of where you live you always have a place at our organization and at fiery bones as well yeah. uh to to share those and you can you know you can share that privately and it's important because we need all perspectives and all experiences at the table to solve these problems. We all have somewhat individual experiences, but we can't rely on just a few voices. We really need to hear them all. And then we can yes. take that information, bring it back with the other stakeholders so that it's not opinionated or biased based on just a, a small segment of the population. And how can you do that, you ask? Well, we have answers. <laughs> so first part, I'm going to ask Pooja, how can people find you? Yes. You could find Fiery Bones at www.fieryboons.com and you could follow our Twitter page, which is at the same name. And uh, yeah, I think it's a, it's a quite a vibrant community of around 1200 people across the globe. And you could read about inspiring stories about how people are coping with this. That is great. And you also will be able to connect if you look up this episode. You can find this at all of our podcast episodes on our website at aiarthritis.org backslash podcast. Each episode has its own page, so we'll definitely have links where you can find Pooja. And she is a volunteer with our organization and wants to be part of World Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis Day, yeah. which is May 20th. It was the very first project initiative that our organization established when we became a nonprofit in 2012. And it's all about global awareness. That's what that day is all about. And we unite advocates, we unite nonprofits from all over the world. And together we advocate for the need to bring more education and awareness so we can solve the problems we talked about today. And something else I wanted to mention our organization, AI Arthritis, we had planned our first event ever in public that was supposed to happen this weekend called the Auto Ball. And it was our version of a fundraising event and a, an opportunity to show the public, to show the community outside of online who we are and what our services are. And then COVID-19 happened and we're <laughs> right back inside. So <laughs> it's a little ironic because historically we've done most of our organization online. But have no fear, we are going to bring the auto ball online. So we have all of this great information we want to share. We really want to connect the world to see who we're about, what we do, and how we can help, our value and our impact. So please check our Facebook in particular, our Facebook group at IFAI Arthritis. Between May 16th and May 20th, we will be doing some live podcasting. So this show, using Facebook Live, we're going to be doing five to six what we're calling pit stops, which one is going to be completely focused on awareness and the conversation we had today. And so hopefully, Pooja, you'll come back and join us maybe for that. I, will. I just put her on the spot. I never, I didn't ask her before. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so definitely, definitely tune in to that. And also when you visit our podcast page, 
we would love for you to register for the auto ball. So you can do that on our website. If you just look under the initiatives, you'll see auto ball, which is also registering for World Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis Day. And what we'll do is we will give you all of the schedule and information on how you can tune in for that day. And Additionally, on that registration form is an opportunity for you to share your story about awareness and education and submit those. Maybe we will feature them during our live event. So it's important, again, for everyone to have a voice. So there you go. Thank you so much, Pooja. I'm so glad we finally Thanks, Tiffany. Uh, I know. <laughs> really connected face to face. To face. Uh, yeah. So it's it's been awesome. But just like we said, so please register AIarthritis.org under the initiatives. You'll see the auto ball and you'll see World AI Arthritis Day. You can register on both because only together can we change awareness and education. We need your stories. So please pull up a seat at the table and together we will change the stories of tomorrow. Thank you again so much, Pooja. It was awesome. Thank you, Tiffany. I had fun. AI Arthritis Voices 360 is produced by the International Foundation for Autoimmune and Autoinflammatory Arthritis. Find us on the web at www.aiarthritis.org. Join us again on Wednesday for our special breakout episode, where we bring your comments, questions, and ideas to the table. Also, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and stay up to date on all the latest AI Arthritis news and events. 